It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Under the Radar. I'm your host, Sammy Bovitz. Tonight is a very special night. It is one of the last of the three-team format episodes. Obviously, more information about how Under the Radar is changing and evolving in a few weeks. Uh, tonight, we will be doing the Washington Wizards, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, with a special guest for the first two of those segments, that is Ben Weiner, a good friend of mine. And a uh, pretty experienced podcaster himself. How's it going, Ben? Hi, how are you? I am fantastic. All right, folks, we are going to... Um, Get started with, um, <clears throat> sorry, we're going to get started with the uh, basketball team tonight, which is the Washington Wizards. Um, if you guys haven't been following the Washington Wizards this season, and I think one one key thing uh, summarizes I their season. I don't blame you. If, if, if you have if, no, if the general public hasn't been uh, yeah, following the Washington Wizards this season, yes, I don't believe you. Uh, there was a great, uh, and this, this kind of summarizes the Washington Wizards to me. Uh, there was a great uh, suggestion uh, by the Sport, Sports Illustrated in their um, in their 2018-19 NBA preview. They had like a suggestion for each team, and the suggestion for the Wizards was have MTV film everything that happens and make it a reality show. And in my opinion, that'd be a pretty entertaining reality show. I'm serious. I think that was not that that wasn't a, a super bad idea. I mean, I'd watch that. Um, so, the Wizards are a very odd team. Uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal are one of the best guard duos in the NBA, without question. But they are extremely overpaid. John Wall's going to get paid $40 million in the next few, uh, a year for the next few years, which is a lot of money. Um, even though John Wall's a pretty good player, he's not worth $40 million. Uh, he's not worth the same amount of money as uh, Russell Westbrook or Stephen Curry or, of course, the best point guard in the NBA, which is Kyrie Irving. And then you have Bradley Beal, who's getting paid a lot of money himself, around $27 million a year um, right now, and that'll only go up to around $30 million a year. And if you're getting paid $10 million uh, more to a shooting guard that is better than you, and that, to me, is Clay Thompson, um, I would say that's a bit of a problem. Um, and then other than the, the, that guard that guard tandem, which, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're very good, again. Uh, they don't have much. They have Trevor Ariza, who they picked up. Uh, to help their small forward position, who's been solid but not great. Bobby Portis, a very good young power forward. I like him a lot, just not on this Wizards team. Um, and probably the weirdest center position in all of sports, uh, in all of, not in all of sports, in all of the NBA, which I'll talk about and which we'll, which, which we'll get to. Um, but this team is most notorious for having a lot of bad contracts. Yeah. Um, uh, Jan Mahimi, if you haven't heard of him, he is the backup center. For the uh, Washington Wizards, uh, he's getting paid fifteen point three million dollars a year for the next two years. Um, yeah, that's, that's Jabari funny. Parker has a team option, which he'll probably let go because he's getting paid twenty two million dollars this year to be a not very good player. John Wall, we already talked about John Wall, and of course we already talked about yeah. Bradley Beal. The other bad contract was Otto Porter, uh, who's getting paid twenty five million dollars a year, but he was traded in the trade that brought in Jabari Parker. So they will. Probably clear that twenty-two million a bad contract that uh, Jabari Parker has, but it'll take a lot yeah. for them to move on from Giannis' contract 
John Wall's contract and Bradley Beal's contract. And the main reason they just have not been as good as they are, and they've just been, they remind me a lot of the Raptors, uh, except they haven't moved on and traded for Kawhi Leonard. You know, in in the way that, in a way that they you know have a good guard tandem, a, a pretty good guard tandem. Um, however, in this case, the point the point guard is better than the shooting guard, instead of vice versa. Um, but uh, so what happens is um, essentially the uh, the team has a good guard tandem and not much else, and they have a lot of bad contracts. Yet yeah. the Raptors have turned it around after years and years of, of being of being basically the same team. Traded for Kawhi and Danny Green, by the way. That was a very good trade for the Raptors. Yeah, uh, adding awesome. Serge Ibaka, trading Valanciunas for uh, a really good center that they can win with now, which is Marc Gasol, and really making themselves a very, very deep team. Obviously, the improvement of Pascal Siakam is something I want to talk about. But again, yeah. this segment is not about the Raptors. This segment is about the Wizards. And with the Wizards... I think, yeah? I think that... Um, I mean, I don't really know what to think when I think of the Wizards. I mean, I am a Wizards fan, and a few a few years ago, like uh, last year and the year before, they they were solid. I they were like the eight seed a few years ago. Right. They took they took the Raptors to I think six or seven, if I'm not mistaken. Right. In the first round, and so they've been solid. And this year, um, obviously John Wall getting injured, uh, Bradley really, Bill really had to step in and be that number one player, which I think he did fairly well. But I think he he really uh, do better with with that tandem that you were talking about and about all those, all those contracts. I think, I mean, if you really, if you really think you want to build around these two guards, then I think you're willing to have those two contracts, but like the, the boatloads and boatloads of bad contracts, that's obviously not going to help your team yeah. in any, in any way. And again, it's not just that the contracts are bad. It's that you need a solid core to build around a guard tandem. Cause if you just have a good guard tandem, it's not enough. If the Warriors only had Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson, they'd still be pretty good, but they need they need more, right? And that's why they signed Iguodala. That's why Draymond Green, being as valuable as he is, was fantastic. Adding Kevin Durant, obviously, was unfair. So was adding DeMarcus Cousins, but they need that. They can't just have their Splash Brothers tandem. Uh, the Trailblazers are another fantastic example of this. They, they have D- Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, which, for my money, is pretty much behind only the Warriors tandem as, as pretty much the best... Uh, guard tandem in the NBA, and yet they've added pieces around that. Uh, uh, adding Nurkic was fantastic, even though he got hurt, was huge for them. They added pieces. They made they made their team more than just those two guards, and that's where the Wizards are falling behind because that trend has been going on for a long time. And all of those other two guard teams have moved have either added to those two guards or moved on from not one of them in order to create or both of them to create a better contender. In the case of the Raptors. Um, yeah, and I and I feel like um, they've sort of tried to do that with getting like Jabari Parker and Trevor Ariza and, and Jeff Green a few. Yeah, uh, yeah and, it, and Dwight Howard earlier this uh, over the last. Well, we got to talk about Dwight Howard because yeah, I mean, you I mean, they, they tried they tried to sort of build around them. The players didn't really pan out the way they wanted them to, which is why we found ourselves in sort of this situation of having a lot of. Con, bad contracts on players that maybe they thought would help their core, but haven't really played well, like played up to the hype. Again, let's think. Let's think about it. Yan Mahimi and Jabari Parker are objectively NBA level players, right? But yeah, they are not nearly the. They're not. They are getting paid more than they should in order to play. Jabari Parker was better on the Bucks than he is on the Wizards. Oh, I mean, for I sure. Thought, I thought that. I, I, I think that Otto Porter was doing fine on the Wizards before he got traded. But not. Really but not for that much. 
For $25 million, oh, he's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, I just think that I didn't, a few moves they made the past few years I haven't really understood. Like, the Dwight, the Dwight Howard thing at the yeah. time, I kind of understood it. Like, center was a big position of need. Yeah. Obviously, that hasn't panned out. Well, um, I just think Dwight Howard, honestly, at this point, um, he's like the inverse of King Midas, uh, touching anything and turning it to gold. He's like the opposite of it. He yeah. has ruined pretty much every team he's touched. And I think somehow he's, like, like, he's been, like, on teams for, like, a few hours before getting released. Like, yeah. imagine that, right? And, I mean, Dwight Howard is just not a, just objectively not a good NBA player anymore. I just don't think he's good. And the only reason he stays around is, oh, can he go back to the old form? Because he was a really, really, like, a, he was an elite center in, like, the, early, the late 2000s very early 2010s, right? And then he gets traded to the Lakers, and everything falls apart. So, yeah, I mean, I think that he's still a fine player. I think that, um, well, obviously he's not, like, the elite center that he was, but I think that, um, sort of the, I don't know, the, um... There's a stigma the, around him, I get that, I, yeah. I feel, like, I feel like the way it is with a lot of, like, former, uh, like, stars, maybe not stars, former, like, good players... Like, there's always that question, like, can they return to, like, that, that peak form? And, like, Derek Peyton Rose, Manning, Dwight Howard. Exactly. And, like, Peyton Manning in football is, like, the biggest example I can think of. And he did end up playing up to his sort of old form. But um, a, lot of, a lot of players don't do that. And I think it's also that, that, it's also that he was the number one pick. Like, think examples of, like, number one picks who haven't panned out. Everyone hopes he has hope um, that they'll, like, they'll, like, become amazing all, 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 suddenly. Like, yeah. Again, right? Like. In the case of, like, Sam Bradford, he was the number one pick. He was hyped. In my opinion, he is the most vanilla, below-average quarterback you could have. And then you have Alex Smith, who, by the way, was picked 21 picks ahead of Aaron Rodgers. And Yeah, I mean, that was a... I, I, I was watching something about that and how, like... Yeah. Al, so, originally, like, folks, if you don't know, Aaron Rodgers, for a while there, was, um, you know, slated to be the number one pick... And then yeah. all of a sudden, the the preference turns to Alex Smith, and then and then Aaron Rodgers falls to number twenty two in Green Bay, um, so that that's definitely something, and just the, the becoming being a high draft pick, becoming a good player, um, or anything, people hoping against hope that you can return to that form or become that form in in the, in the professional level, is just a lot to ask, and I think Dwight Howard he gets a lot of hate. At times, I do see it though, because he he is not he is not the greatest player. He definitely makes tons of mistakes, and I'm not sure if the Wizards were really better off with Dwight. Um, I mean, I thought that Thomas Bryant played really well this year. Oh yeah, Thomas Bryant's been great. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he's been really good, and I think that he sort of stepped up in the hole that Dwight Howard was supposed to fill. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sort of disappointed this year, like. We saw, we saw like them stick with the Raptors a few years ago in the playoffs, and I was sort of excited to see what this tandem could do, the John Wall-Bradley Beal. And I saw them adding new pieces, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, um, ending up adding Jabari Parker in the in sort of the, the early midseason. Yeah. Um, and I, I was sort of excited to see what the team could do, and in moments they, they played really well, and I could see, like, man, this team could actually do something. And then there were times that it was just – it just wasn't sort of happening, and I think that that was, uh, I think that was sort of the the thing that 
I mean, that's how it is with a lot of teams. Like, big contracts, they sort of, they either pan out and they don't. And if they don't, they leave a lot left to be desired. Right. With, like, um, yeah, a lot of things like that. Yeah. I mean, for sure, you have to you have to consider that, like, this would be, like, John Wall and Bradley Beal are a good tandem. But you have to build around oh, them, and you have to have enough cap space uh, to sign these guys. you got to make smart draft picks. You can't just trade away all the draft picks like that. Um, and that's where I want to transition to Ernie Grunfeld because Ernie Grunfeld, if you don't know who he is, uh, is the general or was the G, uh, is the former GM of the Wizards fired uh, not that long ago, um, and I think his firing is long overdue. He made very very bad decisions as Wizards yeah. GM. Uh, for one thing, I think this is a more minor thing. Before we get to more major things, he does. He treated second round picks, by the way, like they're nothing. And what people don't realize, like, let's say you're just like trading a. You know, a second round pick in like a video again, like an NBA 2K, or like thinking about yeah. throwing in second round picks in a deal and you're trying to think of, oh, what should my team do next? Second round picks are a lot more valuable than people think. Uh, and that 03 draft, at the top of the draft, you had guys like, uh, 2003 NBA draft, rather, that is. Uh, you had guys like, you know, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch at the top, right? But then you have, like, I, I believe it was like the 50 something, like the 51st, 50, 50, 50, 50 something pick in the second round. Kyle Korver was drafted, and he ended up being better than the guy that was drafted number two in Darko Milicic. And, you know, more recently, I think it was like, he was like the 39th or 40th pick. Um, I think both, I think both of these guys were like 40th, 39th pick. Um, Draymond Green, Nikola Jokic, they were legitimately good second round picks that people don't realize. Like, they're very, very good. I think that there are always, there are always like steals, like late round steals. And And I think... Ernie Grunfeld traded away, like, all of those picks. Yeah. And then you have, you know, him signing John Wall to, like, a $40 million contract, which, again, I don't think John Wall is a bad player. But he is, I think, I think he's, like, one of the most, the highest paid players in the NBA. I think yeah, he's, I he's paid more John than LeBron. Wall. He's paid more than Kevin Durant. He's yeah, pay, the better paid. I have with, like, the John Wall contract is that, my, 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 my thing is, like, who else, like, if they don't pay him, like, what are they going to do? Like, I feel like yeah. Bradley Beal showed that, like, he can put up the numbers as the number one guy, but he can't really help the team win as the number one guy. He needs that second play, which is why I think they were sort of willing to maybe overpay him a little bit to sort of keep those two on the team. Right, exactly. Um, so I'm just giving you, these are the rankings of, like, I'm trying to find, like, the salary rankings. Um, so the average sa- like ranked by average salary, um, Russell Westbrook number one, Stephen Curry number two, Chris Paul number three, LeBron James number four, Andrew Wiggins number five. Uh, I mean, John Wall, actually John Wall's a little further down than I thought he was. I thought he was, wait a second, I thought John Wall was getting paid like $40 million or something like that. Uh, oh, so right now he's getting paid, what? Oh, there it is, okay. So he is... Right now he's not getting paid. Right now he's getting paid nineteen million, so he's not getting paid a ton. But the extension that he has kicks in next year. Okay, so this is I'm gonna correct myself now, folks. So John Wall next year is getting paid thirty seven point eight million dollars. Uh, in twenty in in his age thirty season in 2020, 2020, 2021, he's getting paid forty point eight million. Uh, in three years time, forty three million, and uh, he has a player option in twenty twenty two. Um, at the age of, in the 2022-2023, ahead of the 22-23 season, uh, at age 32, and it's a pretty good player option, he, uh, he, he, if he opts into that at age 32, he'll get paid 
$46.8 million, <laughs> which is which is ridiculous for a guy of John Wall's caliber. I mean, and it's the same thing with Le'Veon Bell, who I'm assuming we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Yeah. Like, it's just, they're great, they're great players. I think that John Wall is a great player, but I think it's just the, in the idea of him being so injury-prone. Like, he was out yeah. for most of the season this year. Are you willing to spend that much money on a guy that in one game could be out yeah. for the rest of the so season? So John Wall extended so John Wall's extension, like I said, does not kick in. So I've been talking about like, oh, John Wall is getting paid forty million dollars a year. Again, he's not that extension does not kick in until next year. Um, but the amount of money John Wall is being paid to be, I mean, he's good. He's an all star, right? Like that's what I like. I wouldn't say he's elite. I would say all star level, right? Like he's an all star. He'd be an all star backup. He's pretty good. He'll make the all star team, right? But he's not going to be more than that. Bradley Beal, similar situation. Like I feel like he can make all star teams. But beyond that, like, he's not going to win MVP or whatever. He's not even going to be in that conversation, right? And he, I mean, he's getting paid $25 million, which is which is nice. But, like, $28 million in a couple of years for a player of his caliber is not going to be that great. Um, although he is, the interesting thing about him is that he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the age of 28. He's 25 right now, so he's still pretty young. And, and John Wall is, tw- is 28 himself, so he's, both of them are still... Are either entering their prime or in their prime, but the rest of that team is just not good. You say John Wall was right now. He's twenty eight right now. He's twenty eight years old. He's in his prime. Um, he's twenty eight years old right now. You said yeah. he's getting paid around nineteen million dollars. Yeah, right but yeah, right now this season he's getting paid nineteen million, and then his salary jumps next year to. Yeah, he's an all star, and then so he's actually so right now he's getting underpaid. Right now he's getting underpaid, but next year, next year. In the 2019-2020 season, he's going to get paid uh, 20. He's going he's gonna to go up. He's going to so total cash for next year for him is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Like he's going to get paid 37.8 million dollars a year next year, which is going to yeah. be so. That's going to be yeah. He's going to be four, tied for fourth in the league. He's going to be behind Stephen Curry, Chris Paul, and Russell Westbrook, and tied with James Harden. And some of the guys yeah. he's going to be ahead of in salary next year are guys that are better than him. Like LeBron James is an argument there for Blake Griffin. Uh, Paul George, Kevin Durant, if he accepts his player option, will get paid less. Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, again, Beal, who I would say is better than him. Anthony Davis. Um, Giannis is getting paid less than him. Um, all, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, prop. Oh, no, actually, if they opt their player options, which I doubt. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Draymond Green. A lot of these guys that are either arguably better than him or just plain old better than him, like LeBron, Giannis, you know, Paul yeah, George. Like that, have, that, to me, that, to me, makes no sense. Like, yeah. a guy that old that much money. Like, I just looked this up. So, D'Angelo Russell was an all-star last year. Do you know D'Angelo Russell's base salary last year? What? Seven million dollars. Seven million. Well, that's what rookie base. contracts do. Yeah, it was his base salary. Coming up this year, it's about like twenty-three, roughly. Okay, and so. So that—that's like he was an all-star this year. He—he he was he had a great season, and he's getting paid what? John Wall's gonna get paid forty-six million. So he's getting paid twenty-three million less dollars than John Wall, yeah. and he had a—he had a great season. He had like he. Arguably, right now, he's better than John Wall. I, I don't think he is yeah. a better player, but last season, obviously, was his injury. So there are right now, right now, folks, in the NBA, 
There are 13 contracts that have a player option or a guarantee for 2022. Um, number one in that list is Russell Westbrook, who, again, is probably a little overpaid. He's going to get paid $47 million in 2022. James Harden, 46, $46.8 million. Same with John Wall. And then the only other contracts that are guaranteed for 2022 or, or at least have a player option, actually all of the other contracts are guaranteed, the only other contracts that have an option or are guaranteed for 2022 are Carl Towns, Devin Booker, uh, Andrew Wiggins, who's getting paid too much for sure, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, Kevin Love, Clint Capella, Eric Bledsoe, Miles Turner, and Larry Nance. And a lot of those guys are pretty young. So... John Wall is going to be 32 years old, getting paid 46.8 million dollars to not really to not really be extremely good, and at best be an All Star. So that's what I would say. That's how I that, that's how I'd summarize John Wall. And just overall, this Wizards team is not the, in the best shape right now. So Ben and I agreed they should blow it up. Um, and with that, uh, folks, we're gonna uh, be back in just a few minutes with um, excuse me. Uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, they made a lot of changes this offseason. I mean, that's a bit of an oh understatement. My God. Yeah, so we'll talk about that when we come back. This is Under the Radar. I'm Sammy Bovitz with special guest Ben Weiner here on National Sports Radio. We'll return in just a moment. Shout out Migo, shout out Zay Tobin hey, one time. Yeah. Versace, Versace, Medusa head on me like I'm Numenati. This is a gated community. Please get the fuck off the property. That must be changing cause I'm at the top and then no one on top of me. Just be wanting a verse for a verse, but man, that's not a swap to me. Grinding in compliments, pool in the backyard that look like Metropolis. I think I'm selling a million for sweet, man, I guess I'm an optimist. Born in Toronto, but sometimes I feel like Atlanta adopted us. What the fuck is you talking about? Saw this coming like I had binoculars, boy. Versace, Versace, we stay at the mansion when we in Miami. The pillows, Versace, the sheets of Versace, I just want a Grammy. I've been so quiet, I got the world like, what the f*** is he planning? What? Just make sure that you got a backup plan, cause it might come in handy. Started a label, the album is coming September, just wait on it. This year I'm eating your food in my table, got so many plates on it. Hunting is TV at my house, I sit back like, damn, I look great on it. I do not f*** with your new don't ask for my take on it. Speaking of Lego, man, this for my that trap out the bendo. This for my that call up a nano to move a piano. For young, I'm feeling cause business is business is strictly financial. I'm always the first one to get it, man. That's how you lead by example. Versace, 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 Versace. Word in New York is the diamond, and high schools are calling me poppy. I'm all on the low, take a famous girl out with it, no paparazzi. I'm trying to give Halle Berry a baby, and no one can stop me. We are back here on the radar. I'm your host, Sammy Bovitz, alongside. Our special guest this evening, uh, Ben Weiner. Uh, folks, we are now on to the NFL team for tonight, which is uh, another one that's been requested by quite a few people, um, and that's the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I had to make sure to get this one in before we oh, move on for this format. They are quite the interesting team, folks. Uh, you have, If you haven't heard, they had quite the eventful offseason. Um, they got no, rid of... Uh, two of the best skill position players in the entire National Football League. Uh, the, a top two running back in the NFL, second to maybe Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell, and who is likely the best wide receiver in all of the, in the, in the entire National Football League, and probably the best patch, pass catcher in all of the NFL. Uh, 
Mr. Uh, Antonio Brown. So when you get rid of... big chest. <laughs> if you get rid of two players of that... Or get not get rid of it. If, if you trade or let go two players of that caliber, I mean, that you're obviously going to decline. Yeah. Like, I don't see a situation where they improve going into this year. Because, no, I mean, obviously those players are incredibly talented. Yeah. So there's no way they can improve physically. But I feel like those two players were real sources of drama in the organization. And I think that... So um, so is Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. Sorry. Oh, absolutely. And to get rid of at least two, at least a few of those pieces. And I think that being the players they are, being the skilled players that they are, um, they'll obviously demand more attention because they're obviously NFL stars. It's one of the, it's one of the most scrutinized jobs in the world, being a yeah. professional sports player. And so one of the most, yeah, for to, sure. Yeah, to get to get those to get those um those two pieces, as good as they are, off off your team, it I think that the two players they have to replace them, James Conner and Juju Smith Schuster, I think they're, they're yeah, totally good. We'll get to that. Young, they're gonna only gonna improve. I think yeah. the draft class was really underrated. I oh yeah. I I, I thought I the Steelers they've been taking the steps in the right direction. That I would say definitely. One thing I was surprised of, I thought a player that the Steelers should target in the 2019 draft was DK Metcalf, especially since he kept falling. I thought he That's might true. be a borderline first-round pick, and he went at the end of day two, or at the end of at the end yeah. of the second round, rather. Um, yeah, he was in the second round. The Steelers didn't have a second-round pick after they traded it. Right, the right. To get Devin Bush, which I really liked the Devin Bush right. pick, actually. But if but, they had um, kept that pick, like, imagine that. So here's the thing about the Steelers. They have a really good skill position core after trading Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. And next to no one in the National Football League could say that. Because their running back core is still James Conner and Jalen Samuels, which is very solid. And their wide receiving core is a little limited beyond Juju Smith-Schuster, but that's still okay. They still got one of the best, le- uh, one of the be- uh, pretty great uh, 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 offensive line. Alejandro Villanueva. Uh, Ramon Foster, Marquise Pouncey, and David DeCastro. I don't know so much about their right tackle situation, but that is a really good... Right. Yeah. So they have a really solid offensive line. And Van McDonald... Yeah, Van McDonald isn't the best tight end, but he's pretty solid. So, one thing I would say, so their, their defense, first of all, I mean, they have TJ Wall, they have Joe Hayden, they have a few pieces. 
They do not have the best defense. I'll say that for sure. Um, and the one piece I would say they the one piece they need in their offense, and I know a lot of people are saying this, but and even though you know the traf the quarterback draft class is definitely better next year, is quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger is, in my opinion, one of the, basically the epitome of like a solid NFL quarterback. And I know even a lot of drama. And he's not the most likable guy in many people's eyes, and he's definitely a key reason why uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown both decided to leave uh, because. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger considers himself the centerpiece of everything, which is, I mean, pretty reasonable considering he's the quarterback. But it gets under the skin of the, the like, two of the best players in the NFL, right? Yeah. So, he is 37. He has three years left in his deal. Uh, well, he could opt out after year two, in tw- after 2020, and just retire then. So, my guess is by the end of that contract, which extends through his age 39 season, that's when he leaves, and they need a yeah. successor. Because right now, the backup quarterback is listed as Joshua Dobbs. Who yeah, I, they have Josh Dobbs, who they drafted a few years ago. Oh, they have Mason Rudolph. Who they drafted last year. And, um, and I'm, not, I'm not, like, terrified with that situation. I think that Mason Rudolph will obviously develop. Oh, yeah, Mason Rudolph, I like. Last year's class. But I definitely don't think, I mean, unless he shows me something, I definitely don't think he's the long-term answer there. Yeah. In my opinion, Mason Rudolph will be a very, very solid backup quarterback. That's what I would say. That's, I mean, that's just my, that, that might just be my opinion. But I think, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be just a great starter. Maybe a solid starter. Maybe even like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, that he's a solid starter or whatever. But, like, I don't see him being at the level of Roethlisberger, right? Like, they need, like, if they have a first-round pick, if they have a first, right, right. But if 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 you're trying to draft like a like I I would say in the first round like if there if you could have the opportunity to draft like a Tua or something don't you take him like um I don't know because in the past before this draft two drafts before they drafted quarterbacks two years ago they drafted Josh Dobbs and the year before and the year after that they drafted Mason Rudolph and right. so. It was kind of the same situation I had with the Kyler Murray pick this yeah. year. It was that last year you drafted a quarterback. Right. So if you're really just so unhappy with what Josh Rosen did, which to be honest, I wasn't. I thought he did. Then yeah, he's actually, people hate him. on him a lot for one main yeah, reason, the, and that's because he's for not. What, for what he had, he had a terrible offensive line. He literally only had Larry Fitzgerald. And oh, he also had David Johnson, but he had a kind of, well, David Johnson kind of had a crappy year. Yeah. And I think that, so, that, I didn't really like the Kyler Murray pick because of the fact that they picked a quarterback last year. And so, that, right. I'm in the same boat with the Steelers. I mean, if you really are totally unhappy and hate your picks of Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs, then sure, you can take a two or Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, if you really, really want to. I just don't, I don't think that they're that bad of picks. I think they can both right. develop to be sort of a, I think Mason Rudolph can develop to be a starter. Maybe not the best, but I think he can. Right. And I think Josh Dobbs can be a solid backup. Yeah, I would say that too. I'm just, you know, I'm just concerned with this team because I just don't. Not none of their quarterbacks really instantly jump out to me right now as like, oh, they're amazing. I love them. Right? Like, they're not. They do not have the like the best core, core like core in the world. You know, I would say that for the quarterback. I mean, that quarterback room is still very solid. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trashing oh, their absolutely. quarterbacks, but I just. I'm just saying like. 
if you can get, like, a star quarterback, like, I, I hear a lot of people talking about Tua and what he can bring, he might be able to bring to the table, like, if you wouldn't get I'm someone so, like him... I'm not so hyped with the whole Tua situation. Yeah, but I people... Like... A lot of people like think he's he's the answer, but I just don't know if you can rely on Mason Rudolph to be anything more than a solid quarterback. But if you want more yeah. than a solid, then you have to draft someone next year because that, draft, that quarterback draft class next year is fantastic. The only thing I have about Tua is that... I don't think he showed up in big moments for Alabama. I thought that... Wait, you're concerned about him after the national championship game a couple of years ago is that he does not show up in big moments. Yeah, I mean, I am, actually. Am I, I hearing that right? I mean... Well, I, mean obviously, I, I mean, obviously, he has the talent. I think he's a super talented guy. I think that in the semi... When he was a starter last year, I mean, I thought that he played amazing in the championship against Georgia a few years ago. But... Against Georgia this year in the SEC championship, he played horribly. That's true. He got taken out. Jalen Hurts won them the game. In the semifinal, he played a terrible, like a awful um, Oklahoma defense, and he and he torched them as right. he should when you're playing a terrible defense. But then he played Clemson, and I don't know if you watched that game, but he did yeah. not look like a Heisman finalist quarterback. He did not. That's and true. I think he's super, super talented, and I'm sure he's going to be a great starter. But in the NFL, but I think that that's my only point on him. Right. And I think that, and I actually have the same problem with Justin Herbert for Oregon. I think. Yeah, Justin Herbert, in my mind, I would just say like he's another one of those quarterbacks that like is is so so hype, but like you never hear anything about him. Everyone just says, "Oh, he's so good, he's so good." Give me one example of a game of his that you've watched, and he's and and, and everyone's just like, "If you watch the tape, blah blah blah, he's great. He has all this potential." And I mean, but. I, I think I think he's I think he I think he is really good and the, the one I, I I am an Oregon football fan as well so I right. did I did watch their bowl game I didn't know if you watched their bowl game but they won that game seven to six yeah and that was so a pretty bad bowl game I'd play they that were, they were playing a very good Michigan State defense that game yeah. but um that's my only thing with those three quarterbacks is that Jake right. Fromm I, I think I think Jake Fromm to be totally honest is the best quarterback in that class right I mean. We've kind of gotten off topic, but um. No, no, this is fine because we're talking about like what what's going on with the Steelers. Like, because do they need to grab a quarterback going through that class? Because that yeah. class is pretty good, but it definitely has its flaws. Yeah, and I mean, I think that this is going to be the best quarterback class we get until Trevor Lawrence comes out. Right, right. Years. And so, I mean, if they really are unhappy with their situation at quarterback, which I mean, I don't know. Uh, then I think I think yes, obviously if you're really that unhappy. But I I, I don't think I would be. Yeah. I think they're they're a fine sort of solid free agency quarterbacks that you can get over that. That's true. Years. That's another thing. The Steelers are a very good free agent destination. Pittsburgh yeah, is a storied football franchise and a pretty I nice think. town. So, I mean, free agents will definitely want to play there. But I don't know if like like they're I not think very aggressive with free agents. That's though. true. Like, They've always been sort of like a, you draft the player and then they climb up and then they become a star. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like I don't, I cannot think of an all-star free uh, agent signing that the Steelers have had. Pro like, Bowl, yeah, yeah. Mean, Joe Hayden is the is the really the the best one I can think of. Yeah, that I would say that too. That's that's true. Was. 
That's this, true. This year, this year, the Steelers' biggest need, one of their biggest needs, was secondary, and this was such a good secondary for agency class: Landon Collins, Earl Thomas, some huge name players. And as you said, Pittsburgh is like a story destination, like such a historic franchise. But they didn't go out and get them. They signed Stephen Nelson from the Chiefs. That was their biggest signing of the offseason. Exactly. It's kind of disappointing. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, another thing I would say about the uh, the, the Steelers that, I mean. Well, I mean, I can't talk about the Steelers without just mentioning how awesome Brian Chazier is. Um, oh Brian Chazier had his wedding, I think, like the other day or something. Yeah, I and I found I saw a video of him dancing at his wedding. That injury, which I watched live, by the way, uh, yep, I was made me for the Steelers the rest of the playoffs because that was terrifying. Like yeah. the that injury you have, like the, you would seriously like the complication from that, like. I think like you like you could be in pair for life. Like if he's, you if you aggravate that incredible. injury, like, like you're in serious fatal risk. He is so lucky that he's walking again. And he was saying, I was watching a thing, he was saying like, I'm gonna get back, I'm gonna play football again. Yeah. And I was like, dude, be honest with yourself. Like you're lucky you can walk again. You're incredible. Yeah. Just if he can play one more game of football, that would himself. be absolutely insane. And I'm not I'm saying, saying, Oh, I want him to play football because that is so much to ask. Of a guy like Ryan yeah. Chase here, but if I he plays one more play game, play that would be absolutely incredible. I don't uh, think he should. Yeah, me neither. I, honestly, it's a credit to him how long he's he's how, how much yeah. he's progressed. Honestly, he's a, he's a fighter, and I just wanted and to that, mention that that team that team the Steelers organization absolutely loves him. They've talked oh, about yeah. hiring him as a linebacker coach, which I think is a great idea. Oh, I honestly think he should be in that front office. I would love to see him personally, as I, I've seen them talk. I think a role in the broadcast booth wouldn't be so bad for him either. Like, as an analyst, like, yeah. ESPN's broadcast booth, by yeah, the way. Defensive, defensive players, they, they tend to see the field in a very different way. Oh, yeah. Than a lot of other. And that'd be a really unique perspective, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's the Steelers, folks. Um, oh, by the way, one more thing about that defense. Like, like they actually really need... Like Robert Downey Jr. I thought, why did I say Robert Downey Jr.? They really <laughs> need Ryan Chazier. I am going to get ridiculous. I just said Robert Downey Jr. instead of Ryan Chazier. I do not know where I got that from. One, one thing, one thing before you move on to the next team. Uh, do you believe the Browns hype? I don't believe it as much. People are like, oh, they're going to the Super Bowl, they're doing this, they're doing that. They are definitely a better team, though. They were not, on paper, that Browns team last year is not very good. And and they went 7-8-1. And, one. and yeah. that is a pretty solid record. It's not, again, not a playoff record, not something you write home about. But it's a very, very good record. Like, that is pretty solid, right? Yeah, I think, I think, it's, I think it's solid. I think, that, I think that they probably take the division this year, but I do think the Steelers are still a wild card team. I don't think that the Ravens have found the answer in Lamar Jackson. I mean, we've seen it time and time again with these sort of running quarterbacks that have one sort of breakout year, and then they struggle, like the RG3s and the Colin Kaepernick's. And I think he's really talented, and so he'll definitely help them win games. But I do think that they won't. Yeah, they because won't. that defense is not, not, is not very good. That's... That's what they really need. That's what they really need. They need yeah, to add defensive players. That was they lost 
Eric Weddle. They did get Earl Thomas, though. Yeah. So that's a, that's uh, also, the Steelers, by the way, need defense as well. Like, that defense is not good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're not. Um, and I would just say that. Uh, that's actually, folks, uh, Ben is not going to be joining us for the, uh, the Rays segment. So this is going to be, uh, him signing off here. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Ben. You've been fantastic. Um, I don't know. Is there something you want to shout out your Instagram or something? I don't know. I, I mean, what am I supposed to say? Uh, No, I mean, I think, I think I'm all right, but, um, I mean, I'd love to come back on. Oh, for sure. Come back on anytime. Shout out to Ben. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, folks, when we return, uh, we will uh, come back and discuss the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. I had already planned to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays before before they were amazing. So I'm going to talk about why they're as good as they are. And then we're going to conclude. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much again, Ben, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, folks, we'll be right back. <laughs> We are back and under the radar. I'm your host, Sammy Bovitz. Uh, thanks so much again to Ben Weiner for coming on the show tonight. He really was fantastic. Uh, shout out to him in general. Uh, folks, now we're going to, uh, now I'm going to fly solo and we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays. Guys, the Tampa Bay Rays have come out of absolutely nowhere. I thought they were going to be better than people expected. I thought they had a shot at the wild card for sure. I did not think they were going to be as good as they are right now. I I cannot lie, and that Rays team is good, but it is but I mean, it is good, but it was it, I did not think it was going to be as good as it is. So, um, to the Rays, we have to talk about their depth chart right now because their depth chart is one of the oddest in in the league, maybe the oddest, and that obviously starts with the rotation. That rotation, obviously, the opener is pretty incredible, but their three start conventional starters, as they're known now, are Blake Snell, a Cy Young Award winner, and a pretty good candidate to do it again. Charlie Morton, one of the more underrated pitchers of baseball, he's been fantastic. He was fantastic for the Astros, and then he came over here. And Tyler Glasnow, which was a great pickup by the Rays, uh, he's a very solid, good young pitcher, just like Blake Snell. And I think he could win a Cy Young. Maybe not this year because. He hasn't been hasn't had as dominant a start as Snell did, but I think he definitely has a shot to win a Cy Young down the line, just like Snell, in a similar fashion. So that's that. Um. Um. So basically, with with the with the Rays, 
I mean, we're not we're gonna talk about the opener in a bit because obviously we have to. It's the Rays. This is what they do. But we have to talk about the rest of their team first. Just go over their depth chart. In left field, they have Tommy Pham, who in my mind is one of the more underrated players in all of baseball. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, a very solid fielder, who's actually coming to his own a little bit. Uh, Avisal Garcia, another pretty underrated player in right. Uh, is that Yanni Diaz? Sorry. I, you know, it's hard to recognize these Ray players. Yeah, so Yandy Diaz at third. Uh, Willie Adams at short. Um, at second base, we have David Robertson. Or Daniel Robinson. Robertson, excuse me. I have David Robertson. He's on the, uh, he's a relief pitcher for the uh, Phillies. Daniel Robinson is his second baseman for the Rays. Uh, at first base, uh, we have Nate Lowe uh, for now, obviously. Uh Jisop Choi, I believe I'm saying that right, is their designated uh, excuse me, is their designated hitter. Uh, Mike Zanino, a catcher for them. Uh, again, this was part of the big Alex Colomay trade. Uh, that de- that bullpen is not the best, but Jose Alvarado headlines that bullpen, as does Ryan Stanek, who is their you know most common opener. Uh, and that's basically what he's known for, being the opener for the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Along with a few uh, good but not great uh, uh, other relievers. So their bullpen isn't the best. And again, like on paper, they are not a, the fan, most fantastic team. By the way, I will say this. Well, I will say this. The Rays have to get even better because they can add another solid starter to have a four-man rotation plus the opener. And that's Jose De Leon, who was a very good prospect for the Dodgers for, the, for a while. And then in the Logan Forsyth trade, he was the headliner. Uh, to send back, and he's been pretty solid for them, but he's been injured a lot, so maybe he can add even more to this uh, very solid rotation, even though it's the shortest one, the smallest one in the majors. Um, and again, this team is not good on paper. Like, this team, yeah, it's not, it, they, they just plain and simple, not the best team on paper, um, and I mean, yeah, that, 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 that's, what, that's what we have to say, that's what I have to say about that. The opener is one of the more fun strategies in, in, in Major League Baseball. I think it's so fun. Um, I mean, basically, for those of you that don't know the opener, because I try, I know for some of you that listen that are the biggest sports fans, first of all, thank you for listening. Second, all of you, really. It's, like, side note, by the way, that's going to go uh, skip ahead the 30 seconds or a minute if you don't want to hear me praise you guys or whatever, but, like, under the Radar has grown. It's still not a huge listening base. And if you're listening right now, like, within a week of this being uh, published, you're either a family or friend of mine, or a friend of mine, or you're a dedicated listener. So I thank you all for listening and staying with Under the Radar and staying with National Sports Radio. Big, uh, big, things, were com- big things are coming. You know, we unveiled a new logo. We're recruiting more people. We're growing. We're going to start uploading more for you guys. We want to just grow and become, and become, even, become, more mainstream, become become bigger, become, you know, make people start listening to us, make people start listening to us that we don't know, start to grow that community. And once we have, we have to thank you guys, the OG listeners, for listening, to consistently listen and enjoy our, our stuff, and that's just, that's just amazing to us. Um, and where, where was I? Um, essentially, the opener, like, for those of you who don't know, again, is basically the this new concept because the Rays again last year had basically two starting pitchers, and again you need five starting pitchers to make a starting rotation. So, and I mean in the old days really teams only had two starting pitchers, but in the days of conserving pitchers' arms and health and all that stuff, uh, that's just unheard of now. 
especially the way pitchers are brought up to just throw six innings uh, every five days or so. So, that's basically out of the question. So, the opener was introduced the concept of, not the, like, it's, it's a synonym for the starter for one reason. They start the game, or they open the game. Um, ha ha ha. I mean, so, like, that was random. But anyways, the point is, they pitch they pitch an inning, so the, so the start, and then the, and then the true starter comes in the next inning. The base, the point is, they pitch one less inning, and they can go, therefore, they can go one inning deeper into the game without, you know, because usually the best hitters are at the top of the order, so they have to face the best best hitters uh, less. Therefore, they can go longer in the game. And this concept was used to great effect. And they started this trend. They start. They created this concept, and teams have followed in their footsteps. Many teams have followed that have followed this revolutionary idea, um, but no one has used it as well as the Rays have. And here's the key to what they what they have. They um, they you have to have at least one one or two solid starting pitchers in order for this to work. Because if you can have those great starting pitchers, the opener is just even better. And and, and when you actually have those great starters, it's even more of a luxury. And they have that Blake Snell and Tyler Glasnow in Charlie Morton. In order to have these really great starters at the top of the... at, at, at like in this, in this very small rotation, so you can go to the opener, so you can be more versatile, you have to have those good starters. And that's what they've gotten. One thing I do want to mention right now. The Tampa Bay Rays are ranked dead last in the MLB in, total, in terms of total money. And right now, they have one of the best records in the, in the entire major leagues, yet they're dead last. Here's all the teams that are worse than them, that are currently ahead of them, in pay, that are ahead of them in payroll. The Miami Marlins, Baltimore Orioles, Pittsburgh Pirates, Chicago White Sox, Oakland A's, Kansas City Royals, San Diego Padres, Toronto Blue Jays, Detroit Tigers, Atlanta Braves, Cleveland, Cleveland Indians, I'd say, Minnesota Twins, Arizona D-backs, Cincinnati Reds, Texas Rangers, Colorado Rockies, Seattle, Seattle Mariners, New York Mets, LA Angels, uh, Washington Nationals, San Francisco Giants, and Chicago Cubs, and Boston Red Sox. Those are basically all the teams that are worse than them right now. And I guess the Yankees, too. So basically, like, almost the entire league is worse than them. Like, they were the top five teams in the league. So basically, 25 teams are worse than them, yet pay their players more money. Miami... They are have let they are paying less money to their players than the Baltimore Orioles and Miami Marlins, who are the worst. The Baltimore Orioles and the Miami Marlins, who are the worst two teams in the entire league, yet they pay their players. So the Miami Marlins, people, some people consider the worst them to be the worst team in the league, and the Rays pay their players nine million dollars less. And here's the thing, they the, the player they pay the most is Charlie Morton, which is fifteen million dollars. Next most, Kevin Kiermaier. $8.1 million. In the in a, in a league where uh, most good players have to be paid around $10 million, they have one player, one, that could be, that's, gets paid $10 million or more. And the third highest paid player on their team is Mike Zanino, $4.4 million. Fourth highest, Tommy Pham, $4.1 million. Uh, they currently have, right now, uh... Oh, they currently have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight active players on their team that get paid one million dollar, one million dollars or more. 
everyone else is below that threshold. And they also have one more player on the DL, which is Matt Duffy, that gets paid over $1 million. So nine players get paid uh, $1 million more, plus two more players that get paid um, millions of dollars not to pay for them, play for them, which is Edward Encarnacion and Evan Longoria, which bring their total to nine players. And that's it. Nine people on the, on the Tampa Bay Rays that are getting paid $61 million which is incredible. And, by the way, uh, the $15 million contract with Charlie Morton, that's 24% of their payroll. Kevin Kiermeyers, whose $8.1 million contract is probably not, probably around, or probably below the major league average, or maybe a little bit above, but still, not that much by MLB standards, is also, is 13% of their salary. Uh, $4.4 $4.4 million for Mike Zanino, which is, again, not that much, like even less by Major League standards. Still around 7% of their uh, of their total, of their total uh, salary. Blake Snell, who is their Cy Young Award winner, one of the best pitchers in the majors, just around 2.5% of their total salary. So that team is crazy. Let's talk about another team that gets... Let's talk about a different team who are much, much worse than them, but pay their players much, much more. That is the San Francisco Giants. The San Francisco Giants are ranked number five in the league in payroll, despite being one of the worst teams in the entire in the entire league. They currently have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven players over $10 million a year, while the Rays again have one. Players players that they play pay players that they pay um, more than uh, more than um, <clears throat> more than one million dollars a year in addition to the seven uh, they get paid eight uh, ten million dollars more a year. Uh, eight, nine, ten 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 players that get paid. So basically double players that include, uh, including, you know, uh, retained salaries that the, that the, that the uh, Rays have to pay, or nine they have to pay. So they have 14 players that they pay $1 million or more to play for them, and three more that are on the injured list, so make that 10, and that's it. So they have, they make that 10, oh, they make that 11. So 11 plus those four. So, wait a second. So, for the 14 they have to pay already, uh, plus 3, that's 17, uh, plus 1 more in the minors, that's that's uh, 18. So, they have to pay 18 of their players $1 million a year or more, $1 million this year or more, uh, and they're one of the worst teams in the league as opposed to the uh, uh, Rays who have to, pay their, have to pay 9 of their players $1 uh, million or more and are much much better than them. So I had to mention that because their their success cannot has to be gone with with an addition to their paltry salary. And by the way by the way, the fact that they're a good team does not really help them because they play in the worst stadium in baseball. Like I said that with total confidence in Tropicana Field. It's a dome stadium, which normally I like I like dome stadiums, I like stadiums like that. Dome stadiums I think can be really nice when done right. Their stadium is easily is easily the ugliest in the majors. It's just horrible horrible to look at. And just not a nice stadium to be in. Again, Tampa Bay is one of the smallest markets in 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 the in the league, and that has an MLB team. So again, that's a factor as well. Um, but again, so they don't have they don't, they don't they really don't have a ton of money to work with. Not only with player salaries, with staff salary, just in general, promoting their team, becoming better, recruiting players. In general, their their pay their the money they spend is very very low, and they get the most money per win. The most money they, they they spend the least money per win 
than any other team in, in baseball. I can say that with other utter confidence. Um, and we comment without even like looking at the stats. Uh, another one, person I want to talk about, which I was going to mention earlier, which was um, Tommy Pham. Um, he is fantastic, guys. Tommy Pham is ve- a very, very good player. He was very, very he was very, very good. In say, and I, he, I thought he could be like the next. He, he, I thought he could be. He was next up in um, in in uh, St. Louis, uh, but he wasn't. That really that really didn't really turn out to be that way. And then they traded, and so then they traded him to uh, to excuse me. They traded him to the car. They traded him to, not the Cardinals. Excuse me, to the um, to the uh, <coughs> to the to the Rays, and now he's become much better. He's become fantastic, and now that's that's his situation, and he's just doing a fantastic job in this Rays team. And then more, a lot, ton of players, tons of players like him have been discarded by other teams, picked up by the Rays, and have become part of this cohesive unit. They're not really relying on star power besides Blake Snell, but they have just this collection of good players that that just gels into one very good team. And the fact that they can do that while playing their players only $61 million. Okay. Let me put it this way. They are paying all of their players right now a total of $61 million. The highest played player in baseball right now is Steven Strasburg at $38.3 million. Let's just, you know, get two players. Let's go with Miguel Cabrera and David and and Clayton and Clayton Kershaw. Miguel Cabrera and Clayton Kershaw. The two of them combined make about as much money as the entire Tampa Bay Rays team. The players, that is. Another example, let's just go with three players. Why not? Three players that paid around $20 million. Russell Martin, Wei-Yin Chen, and Johnny Cueto, who are all not very great, not the best players, all get paid around the same amount of money as players in the Tampa Bay Rays. Steven Strasburg, and let's go with player that gets paid $13 million. D. Gordon and Steven Strasburg make more money than the entire Tampa Bay Rays team combined. And yet, their entire team is obviously much better than those two players. So the Tampa Bay Rays have done, I've done a ton with limited resources, limited starting pitchers, and tons of analytics, and the result has been this beautiful team that the MLB refuses that the MLB refuses to acknowledge. Not the MLB, but the the rich MLB community refuses to acknowledge. You do not have to be rich. You do not have to spend a ton of money on every player you and every player you can in order to succeed. If you are smart, if you draft the right players, if you trade for the right players, if you sign the right players, if you get players the right value, you can succeed in Major League Baseball. Don't argue with me about that. And if you argue with me about that, I will point out the race as the prime example of that. And that'll wrap it up for this week on Under the Radar. Next week, we are doing an episode that I've been looking forward to for a very long time, which is the Under the Radar Sports Site Special. I will be interviewing uh, the founder of probably my favorite sports site in in the world, uh, UniWatch founder uh, Paul Lucas. Uh, he and I are going to talk about uh, UniWatch itself and, of course, all the latest uniform changes and such. Uh, that should be a fantastic interview. Stay tuned for that next week. Also, I'll be talking about Track, the uh, sports contract site that I've referenced so much uh, to, uh, so often 
and really has been key uh, to a lot of the segments tonight and in all episodes of Under the Radar. And I'll, I'll also talk about The Athletic as part of this evolution of sports journalism because sports journalism, folks, is changing. And podcasts are a big part of that, such as this one. Um, so that could be a fantastic episode next week. One more three-team format coming in two weeks. We're taking a break from Memorial Day weekend, a big three preview special in about four weeks, and the season finale in, in, a, just in I believe, five weeks. So just one more episode under the radar before we conclude for the 2018-19 uh, season. Uh, season, rather, and then season three starts back in September. In September, so, and I'll obviously talk to you more about that in the season finale in a few weeks' time. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in under the radar. I'm Sammy Bovitz. Good night. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.